0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Happy New Year to every one of my listeners and subscribers. I want to thank you guys for everything that y'all have done this past year. May 2021 be our best year yet. Tonight, to celebrate New Year's Day, we bring to the show two famous old time radio actors Mr. Danny Kay and Mr. and Wynn. in this first episode starring Mr. Danny Kay he plays a man named Joseph R. Witkoff who is walking home from his shift when all of a sudden he hears bullets and hears a car car peeling off. He runs down the road to find a man dead on the street and then all of a sudden a cop stops him and asks him what he's doing. He tells the officer nothing but the officer does not believe him. But as we go on through the story, Mr. Wyckoff does not know that someone really close to him, is planning to get even with him by framing him for this murder. And it is called, I Never Met the Dead Man. And in the second episode, starring Mr. Kenan Wynn he plays a man who is a crime writer for the local newspaper and he is working on a novel and has been working on it for over a year. When his girlfriend walks in the business office that her father owns the company, he tells her about the novel and she wonders why he can't finish it when all of a sudden he gets a phone call and has to go down and write another report about a man killing his wife when his girlfriend has hit her own story to write about and his girlfriend's story is about a wealthy young woman who is an orphan and has a very weak heart then He has a plan of his own to marry that young woman. And then when she dies, he can have her millions. And then she and him and his girlfriend can get married and have a wonderful life together. And it is called, I Have an Alibi. And stay tuned after the show, guys, to hear Mr. Net King Cole, Mr. Ben Crosby, and the Andrew Sisters sing a song to ring in the new year. I hope you guys enjoy it. Mr. Danny Kaye and Mr. Kenyon Lynn in two episodes guaranteed to chill your spines. As we ring in 2021. And once again guys. Enjoy the show. Thanks.
1: Suspense.
2: and its 96,000 dealers present Mr. Danny Kaye in I Never Met the Dead Man, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear. Hello? Wake
3: up, Mr. Wilcox. It's a brand new year. Happy New Year.
4: Okay. Oh, what a sleep. Hey, did she say a new year? Boy, let me at it. At that auto light stay full battery I promised myself. That wonderful water wagon, that thirstless, thrilling three-timer. Yes, sir, it needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Hello again.
5: Are you up, Mr. Wilcox?
3: Am
4: I up? I'm as up as an Autolite Stay-Full battery is up and away at a single starter shove on a winter's morning that's as cold as Blitzen. And alive. Alive as an Autolite Stay-Full battery built with fiberglass retaining mats to give 70% longer average life according to tests based on SAE life cycle standards compared to batteries without those stay-full features.
6: Mr. Wilcox, it's time for...
2: Oh, yes, yes. Suspense. And now, with I Never Met the Dead Man and the performance of Mr. Danny Kay, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in... Suspense. I never even met the
7: guy. I was just walking along humming on an empty side street on New Year's Day.
5: Hey there. Hey you!
7: Stop! I didn't do anything, officer. Oh, nobody ever does
8: anything. Why they pay us cups of salary, I don't understand.
7: Well, you know me, Mr. Callan. Joe Wickoff. I, I was on my way home from the plant. Running home, boy? No, oh, I wasn't. Bullets were flying around here. Somebody killed that man in the car. Sure. Somebody. Are you crazy as something? I had nothing to do with it. Ask anybody. Ask who, for instance, boy? There wasn't anybody else
8: on the street when I turned the corner. Well, how about these buildings around here? He could have been shot from one of them. That's right. He could have. But you better stick around anyway, boy.
7: That's how it started. Just walking along humming. All of a sudden, bang, bang, and a half hour later, the cops have me in the S yes room at headquarters. No rubber hose, none of that kind of stuff. Just where did I hide the gun? Where did I hide the gun? Where did I hide the gun? And I keep telling them I don't even own a gun. All the time, I know they got nothing on me, that they're playing a long shot, but just the same, I'm scared. Murder rap? Who wouldn't be scared? Finally, after a couple of hours, they let me go. Callan, the cop that nabbed me, was standing on the sidewalk outside. Well, well. Look, Mr. Callan, I, I wanted to tell you, I-, I know you were just doing your duty and there's no hard feelings. Well, that's real generous of you, boy. I was only trying to be nice about it.
8: I'm wondering why you're trying. You're worried, aren't you, Wickoff? You're holding something back. You're worried. Ah, you it. You're lying, I can tell. You know so much, why don't you sound off inside headquarters? I'm just a neighborhood cop, a beat man. But even a beat man gets a good idea once in
7: a while. What are you holding back, boy? Nothing, Mr. Callan, nothing, I tell you. It's
8: bad business lying to the police. I'm not lying. Go on home, boy. Talk it over with your wife. Maybe she's got some sense.
7: Bella, my wife with some sense. (laughs)
5: That
7: was funny, only Callan didn't know. Bella's like a friendly kitten. Pretty and lovable and full of fun. All Bella could think was, gee, her husband's name was in the evening paper. (laughs)
3: Look, Joey, right here on page 27, the only witness to the murder was Joseph R. Wyckoff. They misspelled it. Only one F. Wouldn't you think they'd know better? Joseph R. Wickoff, a truck driver on his way home from work. The victim has not yet been I- identified?
7: The guy that got killed, the cops don't know who he was. No papers on the body, and his face was full of bullet holes. Oh,
3: terrible. The police expect to make an arrest within 24 hours. Ha! Huh. It says so right here.
7: A professional job like that is going to take the cops more than twenty-four hours to pin down.
3: I don't understand professional.
7: A hired gunman steps off a train from Detroit to some place. He fires a couple of shots and takes the next train back. No clues, nothing.
3: Oh, well, then how? Come oh, let's honey? forget
7: it a while, will you, honey? I don't feel like talking about it.
3: All right, Joey. Okay. You sick or something, Joey? You're all jumpy. You didn't eat hardly any supper.
7: Well, I've got no appetite. Lots of times I'm like that. No, no appetite. It's
3: a shame. All that good spaghetti gone to waste. Joey. What? We ought to celebrate your name in the paper. Let's go out dancing some way.
7: I'm tired, Bella. Bushed.
3: Gee, we never go out anymore. Some other
7: time, Bella.
3: That's what I mean. All jumpy.
7: I'm sorry, Bella. I shouldn't have yelled off like that. Those cops this afternoon, they got me upset.
3: Oh, honey, I don't blame you being upset. They got their nerve practically saying you killed a fella.
7: Well, you can't blame the cops, Bella. They know they got their work cut out and they ain't missing any bets. They're trying to advance themselves, too. But
3: you never been in trouble before. You'd think that'd be enough for them. Well,
7: the only thing is, i I have been in trouble... Back in New York, before I met you, I did a stretch in prison. You? Yeah, it was nothing very much. Robbing a grocery store, the kind of crazy things young guys do. I...
3: Joey, you never told me.
7: Well, you spend a year with the bad boys. You certainly don't hire a skywriter to tell people about it, Bella. But
3: I'm your wife, Joey.
7: I wanted to tell you, and I would have.
3: Well, well but... I'd understood.
7: Sure, sure, Bella. But lots of times you talk without thinking, honey. I I was scared you might let it slip, and... Oh,
3: I never would have mouth about a thing like that, Joey. You know that. Did you, did you tell the police, Joey?
7: No. No. They asked me, did I have a record, and I said no.
3: Oh, golly.
7: Maybe I shouldn't have lied, I don't know, but I, I was rattled. I'm still rattled.
3: Well, will they find out anyway?
7: I don't see how. They didn't book me this afternoon, so... Well, there's no fingerprints to check with.
5: Oh,
3: well then.
7: Well, the Callan, the comp I told you about—he worries me. He's the one. He knows I got something on my mind, and he keeps needling oh, and needling. So let
3: him needle.
7: You know how it would look. Guy with a record spotted near the murder, and Callan. Oh, that...
3: Mister Callan's got plenty other things on his mind. In a couple of days, he'll forget all about you.
7: You think so, Bella?
3: Why, sure. And I'm supposed to be the dopey one around here. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I got to thinking maybe Bella was right. Maybe it was just another side street killing that wouldn't amount to a hill of beans. I I might even have had a good night's sleep if we hadn't stayed up for the late news broadcast.
2: An obscure murder lost in the back pages of tonight's papers will be headlined on page one tomorrow morning. The victim has been identified as Willoughby Roberts, feature reporter of the News Gazette. And that newspaper has already posted a $10,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of the killer. Willoughby Roberts, it was revealed tonight, had been engaged in an undercover investigation of the county's illegal gambling palaces. Today, President Truman made an address to...
7: My luck. My luck. Now, Joey. $10,000. Every cop in town will be out for that reward. If they find out about my record, they'll... Oh, Joey, don't. (laughs) Bella, what am I going to do? There was nothing I could do but wait and pray that the cops would let me alone. Next morning, I went to work, same as usual. All day long, I sat behind the wheel of my truck, trying to act like nothing was wrong. Finally, I went back to the plant. Hugo, he was the boss of us truckers. He had left word for me to see him in his office.
9: Come in. Sit down, Joe. Now, uh, I'm not supposed to tell you, Joe, but you're in trouble. Bad trouble. Yeah? Yeah. A cop in here all afternoon pumping me. Was his name Kellan? Well, oh, he didn't mention no name. Thick neck, hard eyes, all the time looks like he's smiling at something he don't think is funny. Uh, that's Kellan, all right. His wick off a friend of Pigeon Watts, he asks me, and I tell him... Pigeon I... Watts? The gambler, the big gambler. He owns that place outside of town. Oh. The, the Pigeon Coop. Uh-huh. The reporter, the guy that was killed, he was working on Pigeon Watts. The cops figure the pigeon paid someone to do the job. Maybe you.
7: Now, I don't know any pigeon watts. That's
9: what I told this cop, this Callan. Joe Wyckoff mixed up with gamblers. I said, don't make me laugh. He can't even beat his wife at gin rummy. And anybody that can't beat Bella at gin rummy. Thank, thanks. Thanks, Hugo. him. It slowed him down a little, Joe. Now, now comes the bad part. Go ahead. This cop, he went nosing around the trucker's locker room. He... Found a gun, Joe. Where? In the box for dirty towels near where you keep your stuff.
7: Was it the gun No,
9: no, it wasn't the one he was looking for, not the one that did the killing. But it makes things look bad for you. Now, look, you go... All I'm telling you is what he said, Joe, what Callan said. He said at headquarters, you swore up and down you didn't own a gun. And when he found this one in the locker room, he, he said it makes things look bad for you bad, Joe.
7: All the truckers used that room, but right away it's my gun. Why didn't he ask the other guys? He who was... did,
9: he did ask, Joe. They all say no. Well,
7: so do I say no. Why does Callan believe the other guys and not me? I,
9: I asked him that. He said, oh, uh, well, he said the other guys didn't do a stretch in the jailhouse. Oh.
7: So we found out already, huh? It's, it's
9: true then, huh, Joe?
7: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
9: Well, what am I going to do, Joe?
7: I don't know what you mean. I don't get it. What are you going to do?
9: Well, these trucks, sometimes the the cargo is valuable. What, what am I going to do, Joe?
7: <laughs> Yesterday, I'm your best friend. Today, I'm an ex-con who might steal a monkey wrench. Why,
9: I got the owners to answer to, Joe, Suppose you were me. Suppose you had a driver you liked, but it turned out he had a record. What would you do?
7: Same thing you're going to do. Uh,
9: there are other
7: jobs. Sure, sure. All kinds of jobs for an ex-con, a murder suspect, babysitting, maybe.
9: Well, don't do anything crazy. But please, Joe.
7: Well, suppose you were me. What would you do?
9: I'd go out and get drunk. But I ain't a married man. Bella will need you, Joe. She's not having any picnic.
7: Does she know what's been going on?
9: Well, the cop was heading for your apartment when he left here, so I called Bella to... uh, Well, just to call her.
7: In case there's any evidence to hide. Was that
9: it? Oh, Joe. My
7: buddy. My trusting buddy.
9: Now, don't feel that way, Joe.
7: Well, what way do you expect me to feel? It's me, hon. You all right?
3: Oh, Joey. I've been so scared, Joey. A policeman, that Mr. Callan, he only just slept. It was awful. Oh,
7: now take it easy, honey. Take it easy. Everything or will be the... all right if you'll just take it easy.
3: He kept asking me, did you know Pigeon Watts? And I kept saying no, and all the time I had these things in my pocket. Things? I was afraid they'd fall out and he'd see them. It was awful, Joey.
7: What things?
3: Well, th- these uh, chips or whatever you call them.
7: These are gambling chips.
3: I found them in your bureau drawer just before Mr. Callan came. They all got a pigeon marked on them, and I figured you wouldn't want nobody to see them. So I hid them in my
7: pocket. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't get this. It doesn't make sense.
3: On account of the bird on them, the pigeon. I knew right away you must have got them at Pigeon Watts gambling house. So I hid them. I never saw
7: them before. Never.
3: Oh, we better drop them down the sewer or someplace where nobody will find
7: them. Bella, look, listen to me. I never saw them before.
3: Oh.
7: You believe me, Bella, don't you? Sure.
3: Sure, I believe you.
7: Bella, why were you looking at my bureau?
3: I. Oh, don't ask me that, Joey. Why,
7: Bella? Why were you looking?
3: Please, Joey, don't. Oh, uh, listen, it's raining. Why? All right, Joey. It was on account of all the crazy things that have been happening. Like about you having been in jail. And then Hugo. Your best friend. He sounded so funny over the phone when he said they found a gun in your locker.
7: Near my locker. Not in. Near.
3: Near then. I was scared Mr. Callum might find something else when he got here. So I searched all through the apartment. And you and... found
7: these chips from Pigeon Watts' joint?
3: Yeah. Oh, Joe.
7: You think I'm mixed up in this murder, don't you, Ben? Oh,
3: no, Joey. No. It's, it's just that I don't know what to think.
7: What does that mean?
3: Oh, I... I guess I'm kind of dumb, like... You're always kidding me. And all these crazy things happen, and... I don't know what to think.
7: First tell Then you go, and now you.
3: (laughs) Gee, you're sore, Joey. I can tell just by looking at you. You're sore clean through. Yeah, I'm...
7: No, no, Bella... Maybe it's better you're honest. Then I know where I stand. But uh, Maybe it's good I'm sore. Maybe now I'll get off the dime.
3: Off the dime, John?
7: Bella, I want you to listen to me now. Did you go out today, Bella? Did you go out at all for shopping or anything?
3: Well, just a few minutes at noon. I went in to talk with Mrs. Minnelli and 4G, just gabbing.
7: Well, try to remember now. Did you leave the door open, the apartment door?
3: Yeah, I think so.
7: Then somebody could have sneaked in here and planted these gambling chips while you were gone.
3: I guess so. Sure. But who'd do a thing like that?
7: Somebody who wants the $10,000 reward. Somebody who wants it bad enough to frame an innocent guy. Joey. I'm a natural. I'm an ex-con. I happened to be right there when the shots were fired. I would be the... But Joey, who? Who's framing you? I don't know who. But whoever it is, he got these chips from Pigeon Watts' joint. Where are you going, Joey? To have a talk with Mr. Pigeon Watts. Maybe I can get some information out of Mr. Pigeon Watch.
3: Just a minute, Joey. I'm going with you.
7: I thought I was so smart. If I only hadn't gone on with it. If I'd only just stayed there let the cops arrest me, convict me, burn me, anything, just so it wouldn't have ended up like it did.
2: Autolite is bringing you Mr. Danny Kaye in I Never Met the Dead Man. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
4: Hello?
6: Mr. Wilcox, it's cold outside. Button up your...
4: Overcoat's the word, my girl. And friends, Autolite's stay-full batteries don't need overcoats anywhere, anytime, anyplace. These power-packed partakers of water only three times a year in normal car use will make your new year as happy as a Texan with a spanking new oil well in his parlor. With an Autolite stay-full battery, you're off like a hound in a hunt. And tests based on SAE life cycle standards show that Autolite Stay-Full batteries have 70% longer average life than batteries without Stay-Full features.
3: Mr. Wilcox, the sponsor says... Don't
4: bother me, my girl, don't bother me. I made one big New Year promise, and that promise is packed with Autolite Stay-Full batteries. I'm bulging with Stay-Full battery buildup, and by and by... No, not by and by, right now, why don't you visit your Autolite battery dealer and buy yourself one of those wonderful Autolite Stay-Full batteries. The batteries that need water only three times a year in normal car use. The new year will really treat you right when you switch to Autolite.
2: And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood sound stage our star Danny Kaye in I Never Met the Dead Man, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense.
7: I was a lot more scared than I let Bella know when we drove through the rain at Pigeon Watts' place. I didn't know what to expect, so I told Bella to stay in the car with the lights out and the motor running. Then I started toward the door of the gambling place. It looked more like a warehouse, an old, dirty warehouse. Yeah. One of Watts' bouncers finally opened out. He told me to beat it. On account of all the stuff in the papers, they were only letting in regulars, people they were sure of. He said Pigeon Watts wasn't seeing anybody, and he began to get mean mad when I wouldn't go away. I saw the flicker of brass knuckles coming at me, but I didn't duck. I had to talk to Watts, even if it meant getting my lumps first. right.
10: Still feel like a hard guy? Uh, No. No, sir,
7: I'm not a hard guy. I, uh, I just wanted to see Mr. Watts a few minutes.
10: You're seeing him? My name is Wickoff, Mr. Watts. Wickoff, You the one that saw the reporter get it? Yes, sir, I... Just a second. Nobody bother me a while. All right, hard guy, what's on your mind? Well, it's like this, Mr. Watts.
7: And I told him the whole story. Everything that had happened, and he just sat there and looked at me. No expression at all, just sat there and looked at me. It was like talking to a chair or something. Even when I showed him the gambling chips Bella found in my bureau drawer, it didn't seem to mean anything to him.
10: Two-bit chips for the piker trade. Anybody could have walked out of here with a handful. Sorry, I can't help you.
7: I gotta have help. The cop I told you about, he really thinks I killed that reporter.
10: I don't blame him. It's a good frame, nothing obvious about it. Just little things pointing to you. Good frame, all right, a very good frame.
7: But I didn't do it. Honest, I didn't. I know
10: you didn't, but there's nothing I can do to help. Sorry.
7: What makes you so sure I didn't kill the guy?
10: Nothing I can do.
7: I just asked why you're so sure I didn't kill him.
10: Because I know who did. Because I paid an out-of-town torpedo 1,500 rockers for the job. Well, well, then... You expect to tell that to the police? Well, you've got to, Mr. Watts. I could get the chair for this. So could I. It's you or me. Then you won't
7: do nothing?
10: No tough break for you. Like I said, I'm sorry, but that's the way the ball bounces.
7: If you think I'm going to take this lying down, you're crazy. Maybe you're not so tough as you think. I've got a couple... Yeah?
10: Our friend's getting hard again. Outside with him, Roy. I'm not going anywhere. You
2: the man outside. No. Hey, look, I don't get no pleasure slapping people around. Outside before...
10: Hey, a raid. Yeah. Should I open up? Let them pound their way in this time. Maybe you'll talk for the cops, Mr. Pigeon Watts. What would I do with this monkey pigeon? Why a raid? I mean, why right now, this minute? Who cares why? They're here, and I'll that's i a... I'll tell you why, Wickoff. It's so you and I get pulled in together. You got a car outside? I'm staying right here. The cops ain't brainless, Wickoff. They're pretty sure I pulled up for that killing. The only place they went wrong, they figured I paid you for the job. They'd have faced us both before this if they could have found any connection between us. So what? So this. If they nab us together in this raid, it takes care of the connection.
2: you right, hot guy. Now will you get out of here?
10: But how the cops know I'd be here... Whoever's framing you planted those chips so you'd come in. He even knew when you'd come, and he tipped off the police a $10,000 phone call.
7: Yeah. Yeah.
10: Now, beat it. Open the window, Roy.
7: You're all right, Watson. You can think pretty fast. You just told me the answer. I think I can find the guy now. That's fine. Go on,
2: kid. Out the window. It's two stories down. All right, it's two stories down. I can make it. So long, hot guy. Oh.
5: Oh, my leg.
0: My leg!
7: I'll make it. I gotta make it. I gotta know. I gotta know who's the
5: guy.
3: Nobody's following, Joey. You can slow down now. What happened in there? Your leg hurt, Joey? You're looking so funny.
7: Who's the guy, Bella?
3: These roads are wet, Joey. Not so fast.
7: Who's the guy?
3: What guy? What are you talking about? The
7: guy, Bella. The guy you're framing me with.
3: You crazy or something, Joey?
7: Slow down. Not until you tell me the name of the guy.
3: I don't know what you're talking about, even.
7: I'm talking about you getting rid of your husband and collecting 10,000 bucks at the same time. You weren't smart enough to figure it out yourself, Bella. Somebody had to tell you what to say, how to act. Who was it?
5: Joey, please! You'll kill us
7: both! Those gambling chips... You planted them in my bureau yourself. No, no, no. Then while I was in the gambling joint, you slipped away and telephoned the guy, and he tipped off the cops. Oh,
3: honest, Joey. There ain't no way out of
7: it, Bella. You're the only one knew I was with Pigeon Watts. Oh, you got to believe me, Joey. Who's I'm the coming. guy you phoned, Bella? Watch
5: out, Joey. Look, oh.
7: Who's the guy, Bella?
3: All right, Joey. I'll tell you. Only slow down. <laughs> it was... Hugo, Joey.
7: Sure. The gun in the locker room, sure. It had to be Hugo.
3: Oh, oh it wasn't like you think, Joey. It was just oh, when you were away on a job, Hugo would take me out dancing once in a while. And who but... gave
7: me those out-of-town halls? Hugo. My good friend Hugo.
3: When I blabbed to him about you haven't been in jail, he got this idea of telling Officer Callan. I, I didn't think what it would mean, Joey. I just didn't think. And then when it started, there didn't seem any way to stop it. You know I love you, Joey.
7: Crazy kid.
3: Can't we start all over, Joey? Like it never happened?
7: Crazy, crazy
3: kid. <laughs> please, Joey. Please. I will not never see Hugo no more. Oh, Joey, please. F- please
5: forgive me.
7: I forgive you, crazy
5: kid. Oh, Joey! Oh my God!
7: So Bella's dead. Killed in an accident. The newspaper said. But maybe it wasn't really an accident. But him here at the hospital, the psychiatrist, he says lots of automobile accidents happen because the drivers want them without knowing they want them. Down underneath, they want them, that isn't. And they get careless. He says that any. Yeah?
8: It's me, boy. What was the count? Oh, uh, you. The nurse said I could only stay a minute. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry what happened. Not your fault. I wanted you to know. We got the guy that killed the reporter. Professional gunman. He's still singing down at headquarters. <laughs> Pigeon Watts won't like the tune.
7: Good. Yes, well.
8: And Joe, that, uh, that guy, that uh, Hugo... He won't be getting any more bright ideas for a while. I talked to some people at the plant, and... Well, Hugo's job is waiting for you when you get out of here.
7: That's swell, Callum. Thanks a lot.
8: About, uh, You know, your wife? The only thing to do is try to forget everything that happened. Sure. Be seeing you soon, boy. Well... I- I'm sorry.
7: Try to forget it, he said.
9: Forget it.
2: Forget it. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Danny Kay. Hello?
6: Well, Cox, did you make your New Year's resolution? I promised
4: myself the pleasure of another year of telling about Autolite Stay-Full Batteries, the batteries that need water only three times a year in normal car use. Autolite Stay-Full Batteries are just one of more than 400 products made by Autolite for cars, trucks, planes, and boats in 28 plants coast to coast. These include complete electrical systems used as original equipment in many makes of America's finest cars. Batteries, spark plugs, generators, coils, distributors, starting motors, and bullseye-sealed beam headlights. All engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly, because they're a perfect team. So don't accept electrical parts supposed to be as good. Ask for and insist on Autolite, original factory parts, at your neighborhood service station, car dealer, garage, or repair shop. Remember, you're always right with (laughs) Autolite. Next Thursday for Suspense, Robert Taylor will be our star. The play is called Four Hours to Kill, and it is, as we say... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Suspense! Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morawack and conducted by Lud Gluskin. I Never Met the Dead Man is an original radio play by William Bruckner. Danny Kaye can currently be seen in the Warner Brothers Technicolor production, The Inspector General.
2: Buy Autolite stateful
3: batteries, Autolite resistor or regular spark plugs, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night.
4: Tuberculosis, one of our most dreaded diseases, can be cured. The sooner it's detected, the quicker and easier the cure. Protect your own and your family's health. Get chest x-rays at once. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Roma Wines present. Suspense!
11: Tonight, I had an alibi starring Keenan Wynn.
1: Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R O M A. Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you. Suspense!
11: This is the man in black here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you a star, Mr. Keenan Wynn who is soon to be seen in the metro golden Mayo production between two women. Tonight, Mr. Wynn details for us the dramatic narrative of a gentleman who studied thoroughly the art of murder, and who, like certain others whose ventures are now and again recorded on the front pages of our newspapers, evolved his own formula for the perfect crime. And so with I Had an Alibi, and with the performance of Keenan Wynn, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense!
12: Yes? Come in, come in. Sit down. Ever take dictation for a writer before? No. Well, that's okay. I've never written a novel before that I finished. I uh, hope you don't mind working in a place like this.
11: I don't mind working anywhere that I'm paid to work.
12: Oh, don't let that worry you. I came into quite a piece of change not long ago. um, Maybe you heard about it. Yes. Well, you're not exactly the talkative type, are you?
6: I didn't think you'd have much time for talking, Mr. Eichner.
12: (laughs) Yeah, I checked. Eleven days to make my uh, deadline. Uh, Ready to start? Yes. Title, I Had an Alibi by Joseph Eichner. Oh, by the way, this will all be in the first person. Yes. Chapter One. I first met Belle Schaffner when I went to work for the Herald. She was a sob sister and a good one. I was a police reporter and uh, no bum in the business myself. With Belle and me, it happened almost right away. We talked the same language, thought the same way, wanted the same things. We, We were that kind of a team. But for a while, there were a couple of notions in the back of my mind that I hadn't even told Belle. Because uh, sometimes a woman in love can be practical only just so far. It all came out one night in the office after I'd been there about six months. Hello,
6: handsome.
12: Hi, sugarpuss.
6: Busy? Uh Uh-uh. Can I see? Yeah, why not? Dimly through the gray curtain of fog, Alice saw the phantom figure. It was closer now. She tried to scream, but her throat... (laughs) Is Alice still having trouble with her throat? She's been trying to scream for two weeks now.
12: Look, I know. I know. There's the reason right there. City desk, Eichner. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's the address again? Okay, I'll go right down. Well, what did I tell you?
6: President, want to see you?
12: Some guy carved up his wife. If I have to cover one more family brawl, ends fatally for this sheet. Well,
6: what's the matter? You like to write
12: about murders, and
6: here they pay you for it.
12: Well, not the kind of money I want, they don't. Have you any idea what they pay a guy like James M. Kane?
6: <sighs> a James M. Kane girl never has any trouble screaming when she wants to. Now, you listen, Joe. You'll never write a decent book until you get down to something you know about.
12: Well, this stuff sells, doesn't it? Agatha Christie sells. Leslie Charteris sells. Yeah,
6: yeah, but that's not your racket, Joe. You've seen plenty of the real thing. Write about that. Stick to your trade.
12: Oh, yeah. Well, look what it's got me. You just can't be a writer and a newspaper reporter at the same time, Belle. That's all. All
6: right. Quit.
12: <laughs> On what? Relief?
6: Well, darling, it isn't leap year, but uh, I'll always support you.
12: Oh, yeah, I can't even live on my own salary. How are we going to both live on yours? Oh, listen, Belle, you know how I am about you.
6: Well, a girl always thinks she has ways of knowing.
12: Well, I'm giving you plenty of ways of knowing. But before we do anything like that, we've got to have money. Lots of money. We're that kind of people. And our uh, ways. Like what? Well, like marriage, for instance. Oh,
6: you're going to marry the boss's daughter, huh? Well,
12: why not? If the boss has left her a million dollars and uh, she has a bad cough...
6: Well, I don't have a million dollars, but...
12: (laughs) All right, you think I'm kidding. But they exist. You read about them in the papers all the time.
6: That's right, you do. Well, what's that? Just a picture of a girl.
12: Uh Oh, and what about her?
6: I'm supposed to go out and interview her tonight. It's a very, very sad story. Yeah? Uh Uh-huh. She's got not one million dollars, but five. And she's an orphan. And she's got something the matter with her heart. So they only give her six months to live. And she's just come out here to spend her last days in the glorious sunshine of California. It's a very sad story. Yeah. You want the assignment, Romeo? It's yours.
12: Hmm? Oh, uh, say, loan me a couple of dollars, will you, Belle?
6: What? Poker?
12: Oh, no, no, no. Flowers.
11: Tonight, for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star, Mr. Keenan Wynn, whom you've heard in the prologue to I Had an Alibi, a radio play by Mindred Lord. Tonight's tale of Suspense.
1: This is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines, and we have an interesting idea for you tonight. From the keen and sensible mind of America's famed expert on parties and smart entertaining, Miss Elsa Maxwell. And we quote,
6: Serving a nice table wine when friends come to dinner or with everyday meals is one of the smartest, most sensible, and truly moderate pleasures of which I know, and one which any family can regularly enjoy, since the cost of delicious Roma Burgundy is very little. Just serve your Roma Burgundy well-cooled. Enjoy it with any food, and don't worry about special glasses. Any glasses available are perfectly correct. The goodness of the wine, the added enjoyment of your food, these are the things that count.
1: Miss Maxwell expresses perfectly what we of Roma believe. In Roma, California Burgundy, and all Roma Wines... You enjoy the glorious color, aroma, and flavor of superb, sunripe grapes. Our noted wineries, located in California's choicest vineyard areas, assure you of flavor and quality which are always good, never varying, always delightful. And so Roma quality is preferred everywhere. And you are able to enjoy these fine Roma wines at modest prices, only pennies a glassful. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. R-O-M-A,
11: Roma Wines. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage our star, Mr. Keenan Wynn, who, as one Joe Eichner, prepares to continue dictation on his first and only novel, I Had an Alibi, a tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense.
12: You're, uh, sure you don't mind coming here, Miss Lamson? No. Well, we'd better go on with the dictation. I've only got, uh, nine more days. I'm ready. Uh, chapter four. Belle Schaffner was a good sob sister, all right, even if she did have one weakness, which was me. The story she'd given me about the girl was the real McCoy. Her name was Linda Vale, and she did have five million dollars, and just six months to live. I went out to her house that night. She was living in a big place in Beverly Hills that she'd taken over from some broken down movie star. You know, swimming pool, tennis course, riding stables. It works. And not a soul around. I'd been worried about that. I I thought maybe she might be having a last fling and working at it 24 hours a day, you know, with a lot of nosy spongers hanging on to her all the time. There was just one light on in a room upstairs and a hall light. I went up to the door, knocked, and waited. Yes, sir? Uh, I'd like to see Miss Vale, please.
11: I'm sorry, sir, but Miss Vale has given orders that... Well, would
12: you just give her these, please? I'll I'll wait. Very well, sir. A press card will break the ice with almost anyone. I knew the flowers would do the rest. Pretty soon I heard steps and a voice. But who? Miss Vale? Yes? Well, my name is Joseph Eichner. Yeah, she was a nice enough kid and lonely. Because like a lot of people on a spot like that, the thing she was afraid of most was having anybody pity her. That's the mistake that nearly everybody made. But not me. I played it for a switch. I'd figured every move for days ahead. Yes? What's the matter? Oh, nothing.
6: You've been awfully subdued lately. You've always been so gay.
12: Well, Linda, I... Well, I've got to go away. Go away? Linda, I've been trying to keep it from you, but... Gee, you, you must know how I feel about you, and seeing you every day and knowing that... Oh,
5: Joe.
12: Well, it's not fair to you, Linda. And, well, I can't take it anymore. Joe. Yes?
5: I don't want you to go.
12: Well, I don't want to. I don't want to, Linda, but... Then
5: promise me. Promise me you won't leave me. Just for the little time that's left.
12: Oh, Linda.
5: For my sake.
12: All right, Linda. For your sake. After that, it was quick and easy. Three days later, we went to see her doctor, the best heart specialist in
5: Be frank with us.
12: Doctor, we're in love. I see.
5: And we want to be married.
12: Look, Doctor, if I could make Linda happier, if I could give her all the love and tenderness, well, isn't it just possible... My
10: boy, all that medical science can do is go on the basis of experience. We can't make certain prophecies. But on the basis of experience, the prognosis for Linda remains unchanged.
5: But, Doctor, once you told me that... A- anything is possible.
10: And I say it again, my dear. Anything is possible.
5: That's enough for me, Joe.
10: Yeah, me too.
11: Do you, Joseph, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife to have and to hold in sickness and health for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, forsaking all others until death do you part? I do. Do you, Linda, take this man to be your lawful wedded <laughs>
12: Oh,
6: hello, Romeo.
12: On oh, a bell, lay off, will
6: you? I'm sorry, I'm just nervous, I guess.
12: Well, anything wrong?
6: Well, uh, that ex-husband of mine is loose again. Well, what of it? What of it? You remember the song and dance he led me the last time,
12: don't you? All right, so he gets rough, you just have not committed again, that's all.
6: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Bell. No, please. I don't feel like.
12: Well, anything. what's the matter?
6: Well, what do you think?
12: Oh, now, Belle, you know I come around here as often as I can. Sure. Sometimes
6: as often as twice
12: a week. Well, I see other places. Anyway, I, I can't help it. And then when I do come, well, you might at least... Oh, mm. All right.
6: Skip it. How's the writing coming along?
12: Oh, I don't know. I <laughs> just can't seem to get started.
6: So you're not even getting that done?
12: Well, how can I get down to work when all I'm thinking about is... Joe.
6: How long is this going to go on? Well, how do I know it's
12: bound to happen soon? That's what
6: you said a year ago.
12: A year ago. But, Belle, it's all set. She made out the will and my name and everything. All we have to do is wait. Just wait for the heart of hers to quit. That's
6: all. Well, I'm tired of waiting. Now, what do you think of that?
12: Well, what else can we do? You mean
6: what else can I do? There are a few guys around loose with five million bucks,
12: too, you know. Oh, now, Belle.
6: Oh, you... For all we know, she's liable to live to be a hundred.
12: Now, that's impossible. A doctor said... Yes, that...
6: and doctors have been wrong.
12: Well, what do you want me to do about it? Well, you think you're a mystery writer. What do you mean by that?
6: I mean, if you're supposed to be able to think up mysteries, start thinking one up.
0: Oh.
6: And don't think about it too long, either.
12: Say, Bell.
6: I mean it, Joe. Okay. Because I'm not going to wait like this forever.
12: Okay. Well, that was when I first began to think about it. Then all of a sudden I began writing again. Linda was a little surprised, but I kept right at it, and every so often I'd show her what I'd done. It was pretty terrible, but it didn't matter because nobody but her was ever going to see it anyway. After about two weeks of this, I was ready. That night, I came out of the study and went into the drawing. It, Working hard? Yeah. Uh, say, Linda, you want to do me a favor? Well, of course I do. Well, uh, you know the place in my story where Lillian pretends to commit suicide and leaves the note?
5: Uh-huh.
12: Look, I suddenly thought, why not have the note reproduced right in the book as, as though it were in her own handwriting? You know, uh, Exhibit A... You know, along with the map of the grounds and so on, hmm?
11: Well, that would be good.
12: Yeah. Only, of course, it's got to be in a woman's handwriting. Do you want to write it for me?
6: You mean my handwriting's going to come out in a book? Oh, how exciting.
12: Well, it sure is. If I can get a publisher, and I think I've got a nibble. Here, uh, you can write it on your own stationery. Right. I'll, I'll cut that letterhead off at the top later.
5: All right. What does
6: it say?
12: Uh, Darling...
6: Darling, you, uh,
12: you, you know I can't go on like this. Huh? It's, it's got to end sometime.
5: It's got to end some time.
12: Uh, it will be easier for both of us if I end it now.
5: If I end it.
12: Now. Please try to forgive me and uh, sign it L. L?
5: Wouldn't you sign... Oh, no,
12: no. You see all Lillian's letters to Dick are signed L, remember?
5: Oh, yes, yes, yeah. I remember now. There.
12: Oh, thanks, darling. Is it all right? Oh, sure. It's perfect. <laughs> Bell? Yeah. Now, listen, baby, it's all set.
6: Did you get the note? Oh, sure,
12: sure. She wrote it tonight. Now, how soon can you leave for Palm Springs? Anytime. Tomorrow morning? All right. Now, listen, when you check in down there, make plenty of fuss about it. I will. Uh, I'll leave here at exactly 9.30 tomorrow night. I'll stop at a couple of places, so you leave Palm Springs about uh, 15 minutes later, oh, 9.45. Okay. Better check your watch at Western Union. I'll do the same. Okay. Hey, be sure to bring plenty of stuff, everything you can lay your hands on. Oh, don't worry. You remember the place, don't you? Remember? You know, the second turn after you leave Riverside.
6: Well, how far is it about?
12: Well, it's exactly halfway between the springs and here. Say, 60 miles. I'll be there. Okay, baby. Tomorrow night. What time is it, Linda?
6: Oh, it's just about 9.30.
12: Well, I guess I'd better be going. Gee, darling, I hate to have to leave you this way on such short notice. That's
6: all right, dear. I'll be going to sleep in a few minutes anyway.
12: You know, I don't know why this guy has to see me in such a rush in Palm Springs, of all places. But if he wants to publish my book. Of
11: course, you have to go.
12: Well, I'll be back tomorrow afternoon, uh, maybe even earlier. You won't worry, will you?
5: No, I won't.
12: Uh, Doors onto the terrace locked? Yep. Yeah, they're all right. You know, I know how nervous you are sometimes when I'm away for the evening.
6: I think you're the one
5: that's nervous.
12: Yeah. Yeah, maybe I am at that. Well, good night, darling.
5: Good night, Joe.
12: Oh, uh, Saunders.
5: Yes, sir?
12: Come in, sir. Look, Saunders, I've got to drive down to Palm Springs tonight. Uh, Oh, excuse me just a second. Linda? Yes? Linda, you'd better put the snap lock on your door from the inside just in case. I've got the key. Oh, oh. Here are. Okay, darling. Good night.
5: Good
12: night. Uh, Saunders, uh, let me see. Oh, yes. Uh, I wonder if you'd mind checking the doors from Mrs. Eichner's room onto the terrace to see if they're locked uh, from the outside. Good, sir. A little later when she's asleep so as not to disturb her. You know, she gets nervous sometimes when I'm not here. Yes, sir. Saunders, you won't forget, will you? Oh, no, sir. I shan't forget, sir. <laughs> Five gallons? Yes, sir. Say, uh, that ought to get me to Palm Springs.
11: Oh, should easy.
12: By the way, have you got a road map for Palm Springs?
8: I think I got one inside here.
12: Oh, thanks. Say, I don't suppose you'd cash a small check, would you? I missed the bank today. Well, the boss might, but, uh, he ain't here. Well, I got identification, plenty of it. See, Joseph Eichner, license... Social security card Mm. Joseph Eichner Yes, yes, I see, son, I see But unless the boss was here I wouldn't cash a check for Henry Morgenthau Bell?
5: Joe
12: Hello, baby Well, what's the matter? You're shaking all over Oh, I don't know
6: Everything, I guess. Hmm? And I thought I saw that ex-husband of mine down in Palm Springs what? today.
12: <laughs> what would he be doing down there? I
6: don't... Oh, I must be
12: seeing oh, things. Oh, I'm sure you are.
6: Oh, Joe. Joe, I'm scared just the same. Are you sure nobody's going to get nosy about
12: this? Let him. It's a setup. The room's locked from the inside. The butler knows it. Nobody could have done what's going to happen in that room tonight except Linda or me. I couldn't have done it because I couldn't be there in a Palm Springs with you at the same time, right? Oh, yeah, I... And yes, sir. I've already left a trail to Palm Springs a mile wide. Did you get away all right?
6: Yeah, at the back of the hotel. Nobody saw me.
12: Everything else go okay? Oh,
6: yeah. I got the maid in this afternoon and raised a fuss. Then I gave her $5 and made her polish everything till she was blue in the face. She'll never forget
12: it. That's <laughs> swell. You got the stuff?
6: Yeah, my big suitcase and the trunk rack. All packed in cotton.
12: Okay, let's take a look at it.
6: Here you are. Look at this. Mm-hmm. Glasses, mm-hmm. water pitcher, ashtrays. And look at this. I even got doorknobs. I unscrewed them with a nail file. Hey,
12: what do you know?
6: <laughs> Here's the one to the bathroom. And this little one's from the medicine cabinet. Uh-huh. And this one's the inside of the front door.
12: Okay, I'll just put my fingerprints on and you pack them back in cotton. Uh-huh. Say, you're sure you can get this stuff back into your room all right?
6: Oh, sure.
12: Well, better hurry then. Yeah, I know. There. With my fingerprints on that doorknob, just let anybody try to prove I wasn't with you in Palm Springs tonight.
6: Oh, I told you that when you got down to something real, you'd hit the jackpot.
12: Remember? Yeah, and you know what this pot is worth, don't you? Five million (laughs) dollars. There were no hitches. I got back to town a little before two. I drove the car into a little side road about a half a mile up the canyon and walked back. I didn't meet anybody, and the places I passed were all dark. So was mine. I slipped through a hole to the hedge and crossed the lawn and went up onto the terrace. I checked to see if I had the suicide note in my pocket, and then I pulled on a pair of gloves and opened the terrace door with my key and went inside gun was in my overcoat pocket. It was hers. I had the flashlight in my hand. I went over to the bedside and I flashed it on just for a second. She was lying on her side, turned away from me. I put the gun against her temple and pulled the trigger. She didn't make a sound. I reached over to put the gun in her hand and then it hit me. Her hand was stiff and cold as ice. I flashed the light in her face. It was blue. While I was away, she'd had her heart attack at last. For the last three or four hours, she'd been dead. Well, for about ten seconds, I didn't know what to do. Then I realized I had to get out of there. Saunders might have heard the shot. Before, it wouldn't have mattered one way or the other because the coroner would have established the time of death anyway. But now it made all the difference in the world. I went out the terrace door and I locked it behind me. I crossed the grounds and I started walking up the canyon. Walking, thinking. I I don't know how long I walked. But what I was thinking was enough to drive me crazy. I'd planned the perfect suicide. I'd planned it so nobody could have fired that shot but Linda or me. And I had a perfect alibi. But now it had to be me that shot her. Because any fool of a doctor could tell she'd been dead when that shot was fired. And then it came to me. What was the difference? Let the Palm Springs alibi go. Let them think the shooting was an accident. Let them think anything they wanted to. I had the money. And what can you do to a man for shooting a dead body? It was almost daylight when I got back to the room. The house was still dark, so Saunders hadn't heard anything. First, I burned that suicide note. Then I turned on the lights and unlocked the door. <laughs> then I fired another shot into the wall for Saunders again, just in case he was awake. Then I went over to the inter house phone.
8: Uh, hello,
12: Saunders. Oh, oh yes, sir. Saunders, there's been an accident. You better call the police. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, have you seen everything you want to, Lieutenant? Yep. Well, you're living kind of different than you used to when you were a police reporter downtown, huh, Joe?
10: Yeah. Yeah.
12: I, uh, suppose you want to ask me some questions.
8: Oh, couple. I, uh, hear you were going to Palm Springs
12: last night. Yeah, I was. I changed my mind. Who were you going to see down there? Anybody in particular? Oh, just a friend. It, uh... It wouldn't have been your old friend, Bell Shatner, would it? Well, whatever, I didn't go. Uh, you'd have had time to go, though. Oh, all right, but I didn't. Anyway, what's all I'd got to do well, with Oh, nothing, the... nothing, nothing, just routine. So you came back here? Yeah, that's right. Then what happened? Well, I came in the house and I went up to the... our bedroom. And I, I thought I heard a noise. I thought I saw a man moving around. And... Well, I was pretty jumpy and... I fired. How many shots? Two. And one of them hit your wife. One of them hit what was my wife. All an accident, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You, uh. You come into quite a lot
8: of money with her out of the way, don't you, Joe?
12: Yeah, sure. What of it? Nothing. Only it's too bad you're not going to be able to spend it. <laughs> oh, nuts. What do you think you're going to do, charge me with a murder for firing a shot into a corpse? No, but it could be a pretty spectacular little alibi for just on the spur of the moment, couldn't it? Alibi for what? For Belle Schaffner.
5: What?
8: Her throat was cut in Palm Springs last night, and your fingerprints are
12: all over the place. (laughs) It was her ex husband who killed her, of course. But what's the difference now? Bella was right about one thing, though. You can't write a decent story unless it's something real. I know. The end. Well, Miss Lamps, we made it. Just. Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. <laughs> Gee, that's funny. Nobody else did. The judge, the jury. Not even my own lawyer.
6: Maybe they believed what I believe. You ought to die for it anyway.
12: (laughs) Yeah, check. I got a date for that right now. Right, warden? You ready, Agner? Yeah, yeah, let's go.
11: so closes, I had an alibi starring Keenan Wynn, tonight's tale of Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited,
1: and directed by William Spear. The other day, Elsa Maxwell told us about a friend who had lived many years in wine-loving countries around the world.
6: I gave him some of our delicious Roma, California, Burgundy at dinner, and he confessed to me that he thought it every bit as enjoyable as any he had ever had. So I say... You people who do not regularly serve Roma wine are missing one of the most delightful treats daily living can offer. It's so good, so smart, and yet so very simple.
1: Take Miss Maxwell's advice. Enjoy Roma wine regularly. It's always good, unvaryingly fine in flavor and quality, and only pennies a glass. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. Roma. Roma. R-O-M-A Roma Wines Next Thursday, same time, Miss Nancy Kelly will be your star of Suspense Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines R-O-M-A Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System
8: now the entire ensemble, the Andrew sisters, Nat King Cole, the Rhythm Airs, and I, we're going to join, join hands here, join voices in John Scott Trotter's arrangement of Meredith Wilson's fine song of good wishes and faith.
10: May the good Lord
8: bless you and keep you May the good Lord bless and keep you Whether near or far away May you find that long-awaited
5: Golden day
6: today May your troubles all be small ones And your fortune ten times ten May the good Lord bless and keep you
5: Till we meet
8: again May you walk with sunlight shining And a bluebird in every tree May there be a silver lining back of every cloud you see.
6: Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrows, never mind what might have been.
5: May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again. May you walk with sunlight shining
8: And a bluebird in every tree May there be a silver
12: lining Back of every cloud you see Every cloud you see
5: Fill your dreams with sweet tomorrow Never mind what might have been May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet till we
0: Well, guys, that does it for my New Year's Day episode tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can now listen to me available on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Google, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also listen to me now available on your Google and Alexa devices. Just ask Google or Alexa You would like to listen to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast, and it should pull my podcast right up. I want to once again thank everybody who has listened, and everyone who is a new subscriber. I want to say thank you, and welcome to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. And if you're brand new to my podcast, please go back and listen to my very first episode, which was last June, starring Mr. Orson Welles. And then you can catch up from there. But I hope you guys enjoyed my New Year's Day episode tonight. Please welcome tomorrow night to the show, Miss Nancy Kelly to chill our spines and then we welcome tomorrow night also Mr. Robert Young in the CBS comedy show Father Knows Best. And I hope you guys have a great night and once again guys, thanks.